Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. All right, here we are, Chelsea fans, with part two of the London Is Blue podcast this week. Uh, we have the entire crew on our side back. That is right, Dan, Nick, and Mike joining us. Welcome. And obviously, he's going to stay, right? I mean, Chidge was he was never going to not stay for part two. Just, you know, loves us way too much. Chidge, welcome back. Well, and, and you did pay me enough, Brandon. To be fair. <laughs> Love and money are interchangeable sometimes. It's good to be here. So this episode, obviously, we are going to be running through all of your questions on social media. If you want to get involved with this part of the episode of our podcast every week, just tweet at us, Instagram us, uh, Facebook us, email us, Patreon. You get priority to get your questions in. So again, so many different ways to get your questions. We love them all and try to answer as many as we can. Uh, But before we get into it, again, Nick, please run the lovely people through our January, I'm sorry, our December to January trip to London to go to Stamford Bridge and watch Chelsea play live in person. Yeah, and in addition to, you know, hopefully having more than just one beer with, with our good friend Chidge, um, you know, I was actually thinking the other day about our, our post-Tottenham trip last year and or in April, I guess, I and mean, it feels like last year. 
um, and how drunk we got after that game at the Atlas. I mean, my God. Um, that was fun. You could you could possibly do that again with us uh, in, in December. So uh, right after Christmas uh, in the U.S., and, and so we're looking at the 28th through January 2nd, uh, Palace away on the 29th, uh, Southampton at home on New Year's Day. Uh, we will most likely all go out for New Year's Eve in London uh, and, and tie one on. Uh, what is included in this trip is your your hotel and all of your accommodations there, match tickets, uh, which are, are kind of hard to come by, especially for away matches. So we got those handled. Uh, a, you know, Some sort of live show event. We always do a live podcast when we're over there. We will continue to do that. Plenty of other goodies. Um, plus, it's, it's New Year's in London. Uh, it's going to be incredible. Any special requests, if you need to get on the payment plan that XL Tours has offered uh, to split up the payments a little bit, we totally get that and want to be respectful of your money. Uh, so just DM us, email us, uh, let us know if you have any questions. Brandon, anything else to add? No, I mean, it's if you want to get into exclusive New Year's Eve parties at La Casa de Chidge or if you want to go to concerts or whatever it may be, <laughs> XL Tours can hook you up. Or if you just want to slum around with us, that's cool too because that's what we'll be doing is living it up pre-Southampton the night before. But uh, I guess another another thing I want to bring in before we get to the social media questions is in, in case you don't know, uh, Chidge here is actually the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust. And we were talking with him quite a bit, you know, before the call, before we went live and talking about that and everything. So I guess, you know, Chidge, we just want to kind of give you a, 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 a moment now that you can talk about what the Chelsea Supporters Trust is doing, kind of maybe where you're at with a lot of kind of weird things going on at the club right now, maybe potential stadium redevelopment, um, the TV situation, just kind of all the things, and then maybe general kind of uh, ways to get involved for international fans. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you know, I, I presume <clears throat> I presume the listeners kind of know what it's about, but I mean, we started in about 2012, 2013, uh, to form the trust, which really is a vehicle for, you know, supporters uh, anywhere in the world, really. It's not just about match-going supporters, although obviously a lot of the main thrust and focus is on, on, on the match-going support. But it's it's a, it's a way and a vehicle for Chelsea supporters all over the world to, you know, get their voice heard by the club. In other words, things that, that, that piss us off, that we, you know, think we could be looked after better, treated better... All sorts of things, uh, you know. We, because we are a democratic organisation. In other words, we're membership driven. If you're a member of the trust, it entitles you to vote at our elections. It entitles you to, you know, basically vote a new board in every year, which is what's just happened in August. Uh, it enables you to vote on the motions, which uh, are basically uh, kind of our strategy and policy document for the year ahead. So it's like, what is it we want to achieve in these kind of areas? And those areas break down into things like. You know, huge supporter issues like ticket prices, safe standing, atmosphere, kickoff times, uh, being able to uh, meet with a supporter, a safety advisory group, which is the thing that controls all the policing around the ground, um, being looked after when we go away in Europe and not being, you know, beaten around the head by violent police in Spain. All these, you know, really important stuff for supporters. And also, you know, uh, concerns that you have if you can't go to the game. So, you know, we've got a, a very good. Uh, support and following particularly in the states from a lot of the uh, Chelsea in America guys um, so you have your own concerns if you can't get to a game how do you get to a game if you want to get tickets how do you get tickets if you want to buy merchandise you know how can you do that and and if you want to get access to Chelsea TV so you know it's not just about the match going support though the main thrust of it is on that 
anyway we had uh, our annual general meeting um in august uh we had all of the motions passed i haven't actually released this information yet but that's because i've been away but all the motions there are 17 of them have been passed un almost unanimously i mean most get in the 90 percent uh so we get a lot of support for them they'll be publicized on our website which is chelseasupporterstrust.com very shortly uh the new board has been voted in uh, we've got our first meeting of the new board this Tuesday, uh, so we will ha we'll be you know there'll be nine board members. Some of them are new, some of them are old faces that you'll know, uh, and uh, we'll probably co-opt a few people as well. Uh, the next big thing that's coming out for us is really releasing the results of the uh, of the well we used to call it the members survey because it used to just be the members that would fill it in, but now we've opened it up because we want to get as many voices heard as possible so it's now our annual survey the results of that will be coming out within the next month uh we will take that to the club and again we we build it around uh you know people's concerns with the stadium the idea of a temporary stadium when that was still kind of up in the air you know ticketing loyalty points you name it all that kind of stuff uh people respond very well and we we take our report of the results to the club and and say that this is what's grinding chelsea supporters gears what are you going to do about it and we held that with, uh, you know, usually Bruce Buck is there, who's the chairman of the club. Uh, you quite often get a few other board members there as well. So, you know, it, it, it's good access. It's good representative work that we do on supporters' behalf. Um, other than that, we'll have special general meetings during the year. We usually have two or three. There'll be one coming up, hopefully, um, kind of November time would be my guess. Um, and we also, and this is very important, actually, we do a lot of really good work with... Um, you know other premier league club trusts so you kind of have to bite your tongue a bit and get on with people from the spurs trust and the arsenal trust and the man united trust <laughs> but you know at the end of the day we're all football supporters and we all have we all suffer the same bullshit that we get thrust in our face from from the premier league and and modern football and clubs every day of the week uh tim rolls who was the chairman before me um does great work on uh, the kickoff times and the fixture scheduling and and Tim's brilliant at creating spreadsheets and stuff like that. He should have been an Arsenal fan, really bless him. But anyway, he's he's he's, he's, he's really good. He's really good at that. And and he's you know he we we get you know meetings collectively with the Football Supporters Federation and Supporters Direct and all the other Premier League trusts where we you know basically when we combine together and we speak with one voice, we get far more you know achieved. So the the, the progress on safe standing this year has really come around uh, come out of that the uh cheaper away tickets they're now capped at 30 quid a ticket that that came as a direct result of our campaigning with these other groups but we also get uh two face-to-face -face meetings so a representative from every trust i'll be representing chelsea as the chelsea supporters trust in in october and i i will be sitting around a table with the likes of richard skudamore bill bush the broadcasters and all those people to say look you know stop trying to ruin the game and mug us off basically in uh, the vernacular but you know they're quite high level senior meetings and, it, and it's good to get supporters not just of Chelsea but all football supporters represented at these meetings it's hard it's like pushing a, a boulder up a hill you know they have all the power and they don't have to listen but at, at least we do our best to try and get those messages across and hopefully get things changed so uh, that's what we're up to any questions boys love it obviously we're members we uh, try to get involved as much as we can. I mean, the biggest thing is tickets. That's what 
pretty much 90% of international fans want. Uh, so they are a good way to kind of, you know, go through that channel as well. Uh, it's just easier if you've never done the process. Uh, I would say go through Chelsea in America or uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust because they just know what they're talking about. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get into some questions. Well, before right you do bat. that, I should just give the shout out to uh, ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. All right. Yes. That's yep. where you can get all the information. If you want to join, it's fairly easy. There's a great big button on the front that says join here. Uh, you, If you want to be a full voting member, uh, which means you can vote in the elections. Uh, and I mean, I, I know that, that if you're over in the States, it's hard for you to come to meetings, but you'd be entitled to do that. Um, you pay <clears throat> you pay five quid, uh, five pounds. But what's that about seven, eight dollars now? Yeah, anyway. roughly. Yeah, so it's about five, five quid a year. Um, you get a nice, shiny, lovely, totally unique uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust pin badge, which is lovely. Um, and other than that, you can follow... Oh, you, you don't have to. I mean, if you don't want to you know, sign up as a, as a voting member, you can just sign up for free and still be a member, and you get all of the newsletters, all of the uh, you know stuff that we send out, and all the communiques, and you can get to fill in the survey, of course, as well. And uh, follow them at Chelsea S Trust on Twitter. Yeah, we try to retweet all of the the notices and meetings just for everyone out there as well. But uh, yeah, it's it's well worth your time to pay attention to, uh, even for you international fans such as ourselves. All right, so the first one right off the bat, uh, Mike bringing in heavy hitters. How do we define a successful season at Tosser of Coin? Saying seven games in, how do you guys define a successful season he says top three delicious attacking football and extensions for hazard and conte what do you think mike i'm gonna say top four um some kind of silverware uh to get that hoodoo off of uh sorry and put that put that in the past um as far as extensions i'm not gonna worry about that that's gonna it's gonna resolve how it is um, but if we're not back in Champions League football at the end of the season, I think it will be very disappointing. We have another one, another tweet from at smooth underscore one saying, uh, this game showed Chelsea are ahead of schedule and a positive and positive despite dropping two points as such. Are Chelsea being, even though it's early, are Chelsea a top four team? I, I don't know. I mean, Nick is is the one in our group who didn't expect Chelsea to be top four. That's not a slight. No, 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 no. That's not a slight against you. It's more of saying, I, I want a quick update, just a little temperature pulse to see kind of what are you thinking now, uh, based on what you thought might happen at the beginning of the season. I I think we're ahead of schedule. I mean, I, I think we all at some level expected this experiment to not really take full shape until November, December. Uh, maybe I'm speaking out of turn there, but. You know, I, th- I think certainly given the lack of a preseason that uh, Maurizio had to develop these players and develop his system and to understand the strengths of you know his entire squad, which you know does take time, I-, I think that we're way ahead of where I thought we'd be, and so I feel really great about that. I mean, if you look at the table though, the top five is is all separated by like four total points, so by no means are we you know cemented to be third you know, or, or top four all year, we're going to have to, you know, continue to improve and play uh, even better attacking football than we have to this point. And certainly some of the gaps that we've you know talked about in previous shows this season, like the spacing between our midfield and our defense, uh, all of those things will have to continue to be tightened and adapted and evolved, um, you know, depending on which opponent we play. I mean, look at, look at the game yesterday with obviously Liverpool being a, a much more, 
voracious attacking team than uh, West Ham was against us the previous week. Uh, you know, we had to play two different styles there. And I think certainly with the amount of space that we saw in attack, you know, with kind of their high line and, and the way that they play attacking football, we saw some more clear-cut chances. You know, we, we just have to, you know, adapt to play the West Ham's of the world who are going to put 10 people behind the ball and, you know, the Liverpool's of the world who would much rather have eight people in our box than the other way around. So, uh, you know, I, I think Steve is is right that we're ahead of schedule, but, you know, it's still, I, I think it's a huge, huge question, at least in my mind, Shage, that we are, you know, a top four team right now. Hmm. Well, here's the thing, Nick. I think, you know, to be really honest, and this is a, a trait of, you know, other people than Chelsea supporters, I think, but it, it, it's always much easier to kind of uh, keep your expectations on a level, isn't it? But the reality is, is that Sarri is clearly a decent manager and we've got a decent team, as we've proved over the last kind of five years. What happens with us is that they fall out with a manager and then they just, t- you know, they turn it in. But the reality is they're still good players. I mean, remember, we've won two titles you know, within the last four or five years. So we know that this lot can do it. We just have to get a manager who can get a tune out of them. And I, and I, and I think something that's really worth talking about, actually, is, is over and above the lovely, pretty football that's beloved of people who like to play FIFA. No, I'm just having a bit of a dig. But um, the, the reality is, is that what Sarri's done on a management basis is brilliant because what he's done is he's, he's got a very, very happy ship there at the moment. He's, a, he's got a very different style from Conte. There was a wonderful article. I, I don't know if you guys caught it over here, but if you go into Twitter and you... Uh, and it's, it's difficult to find it, really, but Phil McNulty, uh, who is a BBC writer on their website, wrote a brilliant article about the impact that Sarri's had but it basically centers around the fact that he's far more collegiate. He's not a dictator like Conte was. He's he's clearly the boss, but he'll he'll invite uh, opinion and discussion. He's uh, allowing he's treating them like adults, basically, not like kids. So, you know, they don't have to be uh, you know imprisoned in the hotel the night before the match. They can be at home with their family. You know, they get treats uh, like cakes and ice cream at the training ground rather than having ketchup and sugar banned. All these little things might seem like daft things, but they make a big difference. I don't know if any of you guys have ever worked in management, but ultimately it's about getting the best out of your team, and you should do everything you can to do that. And I and I had a big row uh, on Love Sport Radio this morning. I was doing the paper review, and we were all talking about Mourinho. And, of course, for me, it was very interesting, and for them very interesting, because, of course, as a Chelsea supporter, I know how it can go very badly wrong with Mourinho, like it is at United at the moment. And I think that with, uh, you know, the, the the way that modern football is now, with with you know how wealthy players are, you cannot treat them. And I think actually this is to be fair. And I know I'm always moaning about under thirty year olds because I'm such an old git. But I think to to under thir- <laughs> to under thirty year olds credit, they they won't put up with the bullshit that I had to when I was their age of three bags full, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. They go no, fuck that shit. I don't want to do that. And this is what you've got with modern footballers. It's not just about the money. It's an attitude thing. You've got to treat them with respect and a bit of kindness and a bit of humanity. Show them some love. Treat them like adults. You know, give them their head when they need it. Wallop them if they get out of line. Absolutely. 
but treat them with a bit of love and respect. And I think this is what Sarri's doing. And the evidence is there to see. You've got a very happy camp. You've got, I mean, if you look at them as a team, you know, clearly they're playing for each other as well as him. And I think, one of the, again, this has gone under the radar a bit. The number of times we've come back from being a goal down, you know, that tells me that the spirit in the side is really good and the character is really good too. You know, and if you remember that we moaned so much last season and the season before about we have no leaders in that team, there's not many people saying that at the moment, is there? Ooh, that's a good shout. Absolutely. And even the response of giving up a late goal yesterday, uh, the, well, I guess, Saturday now. Um, well, they tried to they, get back into the game, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Moses, you know, Alonso getting to the byline, we were looking to, you know, to have a, a very positive response. And that absolutely would have deflated the team last season and you potentially concede another to lose all three points. So um, that's a that's a really good shout. Uh, Dan, defensive woes, question mark, at Taylor underscore M underscore ball, tweeting us saying, midfield was great. Do you think we can get the defense fixed over time? Which is kind of interesting since the first episode, uh, we kind of said the defense was great, actually. Yeah, it was definitely the, the best we've seen under sorry, and I think the the one word that I would use to kind of pin back to Chidge's point about Sari's kind of impact is his you know humility or graciousness uh, as a person in the way he operates with people seems to be getting the most out of everyone, including our defensive players who have you know found a way finally to connect with one another to you know make the the you know, the last you know last ditch save to communicate with one another a little bit better. And, and this was going to take time, you know, take time to put in place because again, you know, you've gone from a back three, you know, the past two seasons to a back four, you've brought Rudiger in as the, you know, sending or starting center back. They to Donald Louise who'd basically taken a, a full year off of football. You have uh, Alonzo is being asked to be a little bit more defensive versus, you know, being, you know, one of the main attacking options. And you're asking Azpilicueta to continue to play, I think his 105th out of 106, you know, Premier League matches that he's now started for Chelsea. And, you know, that that's all incredible stuff, Mike. And I think that, you know, this this defense has gotten better. We've watched it get better. And I think there is still, uh, you know, we have not hit the ceiling for it, which is exciting. Oh, for sure. And let me just say this. How dare you, sir? Uh, after, after the after the last three after the last three matches, you know, you're looking at a, a Liverpool side that's averaging two and a half goals per match, and you know we face we play 180 plus minutes, concede two goals, one wonder strike. Um, the, the the defense right now is not the issue. You know, if we look at West Ham, it it's really kind of up top that's the problem, and I. I you know, listening to the first the first part, um, there was a little bit of me that I, I I know that a lot of people were gutted and and really felt like we deserved the win, um, and I somewhat agree. But I think we also going into that match, one goal against Liverpool is not going to be enough to win, and um, we needed to do better in a couple of the other opportunities that we have. And and, and the one other thing I want to address is as far as people questioning Kepa. If you go back to September of 2016 and the donkey Jordan Henderson hit another strike just like that, like Sturge hit and it looped over uh, he who shall not be named and it was four inches taller than Keppa. And, and it was, uh, it's almost effectively the same, the same goal. Um, so, you know, cut the defense and cut Keppa some slack. They've done a fantastic job. And, 
you know, I don't think anybody was expecting the results that we got in the last two matches. If you're going to be 100% honest with yourself, Brandon, where are you at? Well, true, but I think that imbalance, let's not say that they are impeccable, right? Like, oh, no. ch- poor chances were given up against Liverpool and West Ham, but of going from a back five to a back four, again, Dan said David Luiz having a year out. Um, y- you know, I think that with all being said, we should be happy with where we're at, knowing that we have the confidence that it will continue to get better as it has so far this season. So that's the balance of it. Like, right. So it's not perfect, but it's a heck of a lot better than where we thought we'd be. And we are happy with at least where we're at. I mean, you, you'd made a, a Liverpool side, which were flying high. You silenced the Pushkas winner of this last year, which who knows how that happened. Um, yeah. But it is what it is. Uh, they put it in a real shift and it was great. Um, at vfactor 7 says how good was David Louise he's more essential back there than expected isn't he uh, Chidge I know that Clayton was on talking about or he's actually on Twitter talking about the leadership that David Louise brought when he came on for Christensen midweek uh, he essentially came on yelling at every single player on that pitch that it wasn't good enough and to kind of ramp it up Um what do you make of David Luiz, I guess, especially to me, it just, it's crazy. He literally sat out an entire season last year and he doesn't seem to show any signs of rust. Yeah, but that's, that goes back to what we were saying. I mean, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know really why he doesn't show any signs of rust, but, uh, you know, clearly he and Conte just didn't get on. You know, they had a massive, massive falling out. And I mean, I think he was reported in the press today saying that uh you know he had a couple of offers and had Conte have stayed he'd have been off and and this happens you know this happens in real life outside of football too but you know I'm I'm, a, I'm the only the only concern I have with David Luiz is that he is now getting on a bit but of course the corollary of that is that means that he has all that experience uh to bring to bear um, and I also do think that I'm afraid he still has the odd mad, mad five minutes in him. You know, I mean, he he gave away a very silly free quick kick, kick uh, just outside of the penalty area yesterday, which you know could have resulted in a goal. Uh, he can get silly yellow cards and he can switch off at times. But you know, the reality is, and I think this is the trouble with with the way that football is viewed these days. It, it's so big now. It's all over the world. It's twenty four seven everybody's on social media so everybody looks at football in absolute granular detail and i think sometimes you can you can disappear very very quickly up your own arse sometimes you need to take a step back and the reality is is that david luiz does more good than he does bad you know he does much better things over 90 minutes than he does bad things he is a leader in that team i think he's always been a leader and I think he's a hell of a defender. If you don't think David Luiz can defend, then you're nuts. Of course he can bloody defend. But, like most human beings, he will make a mistake now and again. And, of course, that gets absolutely, you know, highlighted. And suddenly he's crap, which is not true. He's a good player. And we need Wait, him. Wait, Chidge, are you, are, you are you saying that footballers are people? <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> well, as my old mate Cheltel would have said, possibly before uh, the greatest fans of the Chelsea fan cast which is Brandon, Nick, and Dan, and quite possibly Mick. Uh, you know, you, you might not have even been listening then, which is, I know, very sad, but quite possibly true. But my old mate, Chell Tell, 
used to do this gag on the show. He, actually, he did the same gag on the show every week, usually. He had about three gags, but he did them every week. And one of his favourites was, Northerners are real people with real emotions. And I think you could translate that to football as well. They are, in fact, real people with real emotions. Yeah, there's still no proof that uh, N'Golo Kante is human. So, so. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, yes. Well, there are two of him, of course, you know. <laughs> we have to clarify as well. And also, guys, come on. World Cup winner, N'Golo Kante. We, we're getting lazy on that. <laughs> um, all right. What about this one from at Brent Saxophone saying, if you had to pick one person other than Eden Hazard that absolutely should not be traded or sold from Chelsea, whom would you choose and why? So, Dan, I, I'm really interested, obviously – uh, from your take, it's it's. I think I know who it is. Maybe young center back, but I could be completely off base <laughs> with this since you are a Pats fan. Yeah, well, I think you're you're going to be a little off base because I think right now, if you're going to say if there's one other player who can't be traded, uh, I think it has to be Jorginho. Uh, I think if we're looking at what Sari does on on the pitch and how he needs someone to execute the passing philosophy and recycle the ball appropriately. Uh, I think after Eden Hazard, you know, Jorginho is the next most important player to executing that. And I think a lot of other positions, you you could rotate someone in, you could uh, bring in a new player, uh, hopefully, maybe a striker, Nick. But I think Jorginho would be the other one I'd slap a a no trade clause on, even though he's just come in. You just reopened the Angola Conte debate. We did that last episode. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So everyone knows that Angola Conte would be my pick, but I would then, you know, if I. If I had to abstain from choosing him, then I would say Rudiger. Oh, you bastard! Um, yeah, I'm a bastard. That is very true. But I, you know, I think w- what Chidge just said about David Luiz is accurate, and I think that you know both of these guys possess such different skill set. But what I saw yesterday from Rudiger, uh, and I think it was really important, is that he does not back down from anybody. Um, he doesn't care who you are. He doesn't even care if you're technically, you know, get the better of him on one turn. He will come back at you even harder the next time. And he's he's still pretty young. I think he's only 26 now, 25, 25. He has a he has a long way to go, and I think he's going to be absolutely vital for us moving forward. Yeah, if I can just dovetail into that, Rudiger's my pick as well, and and World Cup winner Antonio Rudiger uh, per se. Um, I think when you watch the the ball he cleared off the line uh, from Salah, not only did he clear it off the line, but you watch him make the slide, get back up, and basically chase that ball out of out of bounds. Uh, and at 25, I, you know, I could fully see him being, you know, or wearing that arm, the captain's armband in the next three four seasons. So that would definitely be my pick. Chidge, what about you? That's really good shouts, actually. You look, I, I, I'll give you that. Um, I think Jorginho is a good shout. Uh, he's clearly absolutely fundamental to the way that Sarri wants to play. Um, I think Rudiger is an excellent shout. I love Rudiger, but I think, yeah, you're right. The fact that he's only 25 or so uh, means that we, you know he could be here for a long time. Uh, so you wouldn't want to get rid of him. But I'm going to stick with Kante, and I'll, do, and I'll, and I'll explain it, it thusly. You know, the, the one thing you don't want to lose, I mean, we, we, we teed it up with not wanting to, to sell Hazard, obviously, because Hazard is one of the best players in the world. Have a look at that team and ask yourself, how many world-class players have we got? And I'll make it very simple for you. We have two, and the other one is Kante. That's why I wouldn't let him go, because you can't replace world-class players that simply. You really can't. So for me, it would be Kante. I am... 
I know it's so it's a little torn to me if you take it right now. So like exactly today, you know, like Pedro has massive value for the team uh, from a goal scoring standpoint. You've got a little bit more depth at center back, but you would have a big drop off if you lost Rudiger. Um, but with sorry ball, there is only one uh, way to make sorry ball work right now. And that has been proven with Jorginho. So to me, I would say purely from a manager and a system standpoint, uh, outside of Ed Nazard, Jorginho, if we didn't have him, I have no idea who would do what he does. So, um, that's, I guess to clarify, this isn't the next best player. This is just purely from an, a, a, an operating on the pitch standpoint. It has to be Jorginho to me. You say that, you say that Brandon, but you know, that, that game in midweek against Liverpool in the Carabao cup, when he put Fabregas into that role, we bossed that game until Fabregas ran out of steam. And that's the first, you know, start he's made this season, I think. So, you know, it's I think Jorginho is more replaceable than you might think. I mean, there's a I think there's an element to the fact that uh, as as we would all do, you 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 know, you go to be a, a, a department head of a company. Uh, you've got a really tough job. You want to bring one of your own people in, so you've got a, a bit of a wingman. So I think that, in a sense, that Jorginho is the manager on the pitch. I don't think it's fundamentally just because he's the only one that can play the way that Sarri wants to. And I think Fabregas did an excellent job against Liverpool. So, I mean, I accept that he's getting old and his legs are going, but I think there are other players that can do that. Hey, fair... Kante, Kante is unique. True. So, I guess, to be fair, you did have three picks. One of them was Jorginho. You just now <laughs> told me why Jorginho's wrong. In uh, essence, telling yourself why you're wrong. I always said Kante. That's fair. Uh, I said, I said that's Kante. True. He was... Nailed, nailed it to the mouth, boys. <laughs> it's right. You had your world-class argument, which is hard to argue yeah. with. Uh, what about Pedro? Are we missing poor little Pedrito Akshay on Patreon saying, do you think we will see Pedro as the striker sooner than later? We need more goals from other places. And right now he's a fit. Um, he might be our best option till we can add reinforcements. And then at Paretsky eight on Twitter saying, do you think we missed Pedro against Liverpool? I reckon he could have played instead of Moses. That's if we didn't start William. Well, obviously I think look, Pedro and Liverpool, he was out. He was injured. Um, Getting a knee to the ribs from a goalkeeper does not look pleasant. Um, and I think, obviously, Nick, we all miss Pedro, right? We know Sari has said he is the best runner off the ball on the team because he gets into positions to score, whereas maybe William will spread a team out um, you know, to make them kind of stretch wide, even though, by the way, what a ball from David Luiz to William over the top just didn't quite get to it. Another good save. So tasty. Um, but yes, obviously that is a unique run for him. More of the time he is out wide and getting to the end line, doing sick, nasty elasticos to Andrew Robertson with next to no space <laughs> towards the end of the match. Just giving him the see you later. Anyways, if you forgot, we were talking about Pedro and if we missed him. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the longest, bury the lead. Huh? Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, we did miss Pedro yesterday. I mean, flat out. I think, um, you know, Moses is probably better suited for that wing back role that that we saw from uh, from him in, in under Conte, and and probably isn't our our best, you know, kind of substitute on that right wing. I mean, I think Pedro's probably if he gets healthy soon, you know, could have a really great season. Um, and I think he allows a little bit more flexibility for 
Hazard and him to switch sides should should uh, should one side need a little bit more balance. I think that you saw that a little bit against the uh, against Liverpool in the in the Carabao Cup this week. Is Hazard's you know kind of world class goal you know that was absolute fire came from the right side because he had kind of overlapped on that side and uh, I'm wondering if if maybe him and Pedro could do a little bit more switching should they play together so uh, long story short yes we miss him um and we hope he gets back soon uh Dan uh from a scale of one I don't miss him to 10 I can't live without him where do you land on the Pedro scale uh I think in comparison to our other options from a the, the right wing or kind of right attacker it, it's probably in a an eight uh an eight range I mean I think William you know is 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 fine I, I think that I would rather see Pedro more and you know, I think we'll all probably be, you know, clamoring for, you know, some level of Callum Hudson-Odoi or a acquisition within that side, whether we look at uh, Leon Bailey, who, you know, unfortunately had his contract extended, potentially keeping in the family and going after, uh, you know, Thorgan Hazard, uh, you know, potentially to balance out the other side of the attack. Uh, you know, what's better than one Hazard, two Hazards? Um, like, I mean, you know, that area whether it be Pedro or, or William, is ripe for upgrade. You know, it's getting uh, very aged in comparison. And I say that as someone who is older than both of those individuals that we have currently in that position. Uh, but we do need some additional legs and people who can score from that position with a higher level of regularity. And as much as I, you know, am wanting Pedro, uh, I probably would want someone, Brandon, who just can do a little bit more beyond what they both can offer. Gauntlet thrown, challenge accepted. What about, so, Chage, I guess this kind of goes back to you from Akshay also saying, does Vic bring anything positive as a substitute winger, or is he stopping Hudson-Odoi's progression? Kind of hinted on this in the last episode. Yeah, look, I think they're they're very different players, obviously. Um, You know, Hudson-Odoi can play anywhere across the front front three, I think. Uh, Moses, I think, was brought on... uh, on Saturday to really shore up the defence and be an outlet. I mean, I had an interesting theory about Moses, uh, Moses which I think we talked about on the fancast last week, but I, I think he's he looks too heavy, you know? He's bulked up a lot, and he doesn't seem to move as freely as he did when he was whizzing up and down the wing for Conte a couple of seasons ago. Uh, but the reality is, look, you know, if he's playing as a winger, then his job is is to beat players and put a good ball in and I don't you don't see that enough from him you know you really don't if 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 that's how you're going to play him I'd much rather see Hudson Odoi there if you want to kind of deploy him as a as a better defensive option than William or Pedro you know as in he'll track back and make a tackle then then I get that and that's a tactical substitution but if you want to you know have Moses just playing as a winger, then I I, 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 I think he's keeping Hudson-Odoi out of the side, and I think that's nuts. Callum Hudson-Odoi, it, it, he had such a great preseason. Obviously, we just want to see more. I would think that he would be a good runner into space, but, you know, look, we're, we're not at training. I'm not going to tell Sardi to do his job. It's just more of an us hoping and praying we get to see more because we like what we've seen in flashes. Uh, all right, the hottest question we've had, saving it to last, can I get a striker? If you've seen that commercial, can I get a hot tub? Anyone? Obviously yeah. not, Chidge. No, awesome. funnily enough, I haven't. But I do yeah. watch a lot of CNN, so I'm disappointed that I haven't. 
<laughs> um, fake news. So, fake uh, news. Exactly. Uh, Shane on Patreon again saying, how am I supposed to feel about our striker situation? This includes our strikers on loan and youth strikers and the fact that people will bring up Diego Costa, even though he might not even fit well into Sarri's. Uh, I'm feeling confused and conflicted. Please help. And then just shout outs because we have so many. JW Jazzy, Andrew underscore Ishan on Instagram, Shauri Gulati 666, Zueb, M Paladino, David G936, Grand underscore Master J, and Moksh Bubna. Anyways, um, Mike, start us off with the fact of Giroud and Murata. It's kind of hot and cold right now. Uh, Mishi on loan at Valencia, not having the best of time. Um, and then Tammy going on a late loan to Villa. Do any of this com- combinations of these four strikers solve the problem today? No, I, I don't think they do. And I, I think maybe the, the I guess the the question to ask is what are our expectations of where you know we want you know, the club to be, if we want just maybe top four, um, then, you know, maybe we can make do, but I think this is the one position that, um, you know, come winter, come summer, sorry, is going to be pushing the hardest to upgrade because it's in a, you know, it's a definite need, uh, in that position. Um, you know, I have a sneaking suspicion that the reason why we haven't seen Pedro up top as a false nine is that we are trying to either jumpstart Murata's career or um, at least attract a little bit more value to him in the coming windows. Um, but if, if we're talking about winning leagues or winning the, the Champions League, we are not where we need to be. I thought Murata had a decent cameo yesterday. I mean, it's not the worst thing we've seen out of him, that's for sure. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Nick, from a striking standpoint, like I said, I gave you four names. What are your thoughts and feelings on if any of those combinations can work right now? Uh, I mean, I think Giroud's still our best bet. Um and, and simply because I think he's the best passer of that group, to be completely honest. You know, I think Chidge's point earlier about him not taking shots unless he's completely open um, is is valid. And we need we need someone selfish up top who's who's just going to have a rip every once in a while and and be able to to give the defense something different to look at. Because I mean, right now our strikers outside of you know, Murata's every once in a while kind of pop. I mean, are they're not even shooting the ball regularly, <laughs> which is, it's kind of crazy to talk about. And I'm, I'm a person who's, you know, I think historically wanted to give Murata the benefit of the doubt. So I will continue to do that until such a time where I can't handle it anymore. But it's clearly, at least to me, Chidge, I don't know how you feel about it. The Murata thing it seems mental to me. It seems like he's just had a, a difficult run of it and he, he's just not quite in the right mind state it's a real conundrum isn't it i mean i i, I wrote a blog uh, for football london about this last week but the buckers haven't put it up yet which is really annoying but you know this this is well that's the way you know i write them it's not my job to put them up you know but it was all about this and i entitled it the curse of the chelsea number nine shirt because this is nothing new chelsea has this amazing penchant for breaking their transfer uh, fee record on a number 9 who ends up who ends up being utterly utterly useless uh and you can go back to the 70s to this let alone uh you know the noughties or 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 the 90s or whatever you know I'll put the word out there Joe Allen Robert Fleck uh Chris Sutton just to name but three 
and I just wonder if it'll ever ever work with it. On the other hand, I think you know people are you know throwing their toys out the pram about Morata going, oh, it's just like Torres all over again. Well, and the, the truth about Torres was that actually in the cold light of day, uh, his, his you know his Chelsea career is not the unmitigated failure that people like to think it was. He did go a hell of a long time without scoring a goal, and he looked like he couldn't you know hit a cow's ass with a banjo. All of this is true. But that's not the case for Morata. Morata started his Chelsea career on fire, and we seem to forget that. As I said earlier on, he, he scored something like 11 goals in 10 games. So we know he can do it. We know he's got the talent and the ability. He then got injured at Christmas. I wonder if he's ever been right physically since. Uh, and there's clearly... And, and this this is historical with him. This goes back before he came to Chelsea. He has got a questionable mentality. And, you know, we've been talking all along about what would we do to have a real killer as a as a, as a striker, a, a Diego Costa, a Didier Drogba, an Aguero, a Lewandowski, somebody who just, you know, <clears throat> thrives and breathes the oxygen of scoring goals. That would make a huge difference. Um Frankly, I don't. I don't think either of the strikers that we've got at the moment are, are world class. I, and I think if we want to win titles and compete in the Champions League, we need a goal, a world class striker who's going to score twenty plus goals every season and guarantee you that. And actually, that's always been the case. I mean, you know, you go back to the days of Kerry. I mean, we didn't win much then, but we had a striker who could, who could put twenty, thirty goals away a season. Nowadays, if we have that, we win stuff. It's as simple as that. So I hope that Morata does turn it round. I really do, because you know, like a, a lot of supporters, I'm I'm supportive of Chelsea Chelsea players, but I fear he won't. And to pick up, I think it was I can't remember if it was Nick or Brandon's point or even Mike's point. But uh, what was really interesting yesterday, and I think this is this is worth mentioning for your listeners particularly. I, I get that many of them aren't lucky enough to go. What was really interesting yesterday was that. Chelsea supporters in the ground were, were right. I mean, we got frustrated when he screwed it up, as he quite often does or falls over. But actually, whenever he did any the slightest good thing, we were right behind him and incredibly supportive. And there was a moment, for example, when he, he lost the ball and he tracked back and he you know slid in and won the ball back. And the cheer that went up around the stadium when he did that, you know, he has the support and the backing of Chelsea supporters, as nearly all our players have always done. Um, but whether he can ride this trot of bad form out, get his head together and, and, and be the striker we want him to be, I, I really don't know. All right. Well, like I said, that is definitely the hottest topic from a Chelsea lineup and kind of squad standpoint that we've gotten. Understandably so, right? I mean, there's no concern or reason why, but uh, it just is the situation we're in. Thankfully, we have gotten goals from other sources. Uh, Alonso should be able to get back to the goals at the at the upcoming weekend and you know potentially even Pedro William if they get a run in um, but before we get into the next two matches that are coming up for Chelsea this week uh, Nick I did want to bring you back in to uh, give our friendly listeners here a little inside secret on saving some money correct 10% off uh, promo code London pod at worldsoccershop.com uh, we have all recent re- recently received our uh, our uh, newest Chelsea kits. Uh, I myself uh, got a, uh, a Cesar Espilicueta pristine yellow kit. Um, you know, Brandon, Mike, and Dan all got their various kits as well. 
Uh, you could save a little bit of money through our promo code, which again is London Pod, by going to WorldSoccerShop.com. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well as 15 minutes could save you 15% or more, but trust me, people, it's better. Yeah, way better. All right, so the next match we have up will be uh, Molviti from Hungary, in case you were unfamiliar. I don't know why you wouldn't be. Uh, Europa League at the bridge this coming Thursday, October 4th. Uh, then quickly followed by Southampton in the Premier League at St. Mary's Stadium on Sunday, October 7th. So again, uh, here's our, our chance, Chidge. Uh, two matches in one week. Last time it didn't maybe go as well, hence the West Ham game. Um, had a bit of a delay getting back, so obviously that doesn't help uh, on short rest. But the the main questions people have are uh, like from Malu Jedi 1 saying, who would you rest for the midweek match at home uh, for Mulvidi? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? I mean, I, I had the hump that he picked a really strong team um, against uh, Powok, or however you pronounce them. Um, but actually, I think, you know, I, I mean, to be really honest, I didn't know really anything about them. And I don't know much about this mob either, or, or Bate Borisov as well. Uh, but apparently, Powok is supposed to be the strongest team other than us in the group. So. I think, in retrospect, I can see the sense in putting out a fairly strong team against them. Got a win, got a good, good three points or two points or whatever they get. Um, so fair enough. Um, again, I don't know what this lot are like at all, you know. But the reality is, is that we we should be beating comfortably Bate Borisov, Molvidi, and Powak either home or away. That's the reality. Um, so I would I would be more than happy and comfortable for him to put a, a team out very similar to the one that he put out against Liverpool in midweek. I mean, if we can beat, you know, Liverpool at Anfield with that team, then we should be able to beat Mulvidi at home with a similar team 99 times out of 100. So uh, I would certainly rest the likes of Hazard and Kante, um, possibly, you know, the players the players that have had, you know, that, that need a rest, really, or need protection, because at, at the end of the day, three points away at Southampton, which is not, you know, not a walkover, is got has got to be the priority. Yeah, I think I think to keep in mind too is uh, you know they lost their first Europa League group stage match two uh, nil uh, to Bate. So I think yeah we have an opportunity to uh, you know put the uh, put the nail in the coffin for their potential European quest. So they might be up for this game a little bit more, but I, I do think to Chich's point. You know, we have the talent, we have the capacity, and I think there are you know is an opportunity here to protect some of our players, some of our you know center backs or you know left or right back. You know, if you imagine Zapacosta would be a you know a good shout to start uh, over either Aspilicueta or Alonso. Uh, Emerson could get some more opportunity as well. Uh, so you know, I, I would see you know where we've seen maybe four to five changes previously. Maybe maybe Sorry can have a little bit more confidence and go up to five to six changes from our typical lineup i mean just sorry to butt in but i mean wouldn't it be great for example i mean you know Murata starting i think would be essential again it's a it, 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 unlike against powak where he again failed to impress but at home against a shit side you know he should be able to score a goal <laughs> you know and that'd be great for his confidence let's let's give william a rest as well pedro might not be fit so let's give him some more time put hudson Adoy on there put moses on the other side i mean i i, I don't think I mean, you know, I think actually what Sarri did that was really smart against Liverpool in midweek was to start with a, uh, you know, like a dirt trackers team, bar a couple of honourable exceptions. But he had Kante and he had Hazard on the bench. 
And they they made a massive difference, clearly, when they came on. In fact, one could argue we might not have won that game had they not come on. So, I mean, I think you can have the safety in numbers on the bench, but actually start with, a with I suppose, what we'll call it a weakened team. Should be good enough to beat this lot. I would hope so, right? And and bring in the changes. It's kind of those one, you know, the first match is like, hey, let's put a strong lineup out. Let's get the points on the board. Uh, you know, essentially just create a solid foundation for the rest of us so we can rotate. Um, you know, but we talk about minutes, right? We need quality minutes, not just the quantity of minutes. You know, if people are coming on when matches are sealed and it's not competitive or, you know, we've already qualified, so it doesn't really mean anything other than pride for them. Like, we, we got to take care of, of business and, and get them quality competitive minutes. So, uh, again, I think we'll just all have to wait and see how it goes. Um, yeah. Well, again, we're learning about Maurizio, right? We're learning if he rotates, how he rotates, and, and kind of his philosophy on that. So it's hard to make those predictions because I think we, we really don't know. So this is only the second or third kind of opportunity like this. So, uh, and then obviously looking ahead to Saints, you know, they're on a bit of a, a rough patch. Uh, recently losing to Wolves, Liverpool drawing Brighton, uh, beating Palace and losing to Leicester, uh, you know, again, away at St. Mary's Stadium. But the way Chelsea are playing, and uh, I believe there's even talks about Claude Puel. No, he's at Leicester. Who's Southampton's manager these days? Is it still Mark Hughes? Yep. Sparky? Yep. You don't, I don't think you like him very much, Chidge. Is, does <coughs> no, no, God, no. Far from it. I love... I love Sparky. I mean, I, I I loved him, you know, as a Chelsea player. He was absolutely fantastic, and I've got no problem with him at all. I mean, there were, I, I don't think I would have quite gone as far as... I mean, Marco, for example, quite often when we would lose a manager would always be, you know, carrying the banner for, for Mark Hughes to be a Chelsea manager. You know he's a Chelsea supporter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not Marco, Mark Hughes. <laughs> yes, yes, Hughes as well. I've got a lot, a lot of time on, on, on a soft spot for for Sparky, but uh, I think he's got this bizarre record. I'm, I'm pretty sure that as a manager, he's never beaten Chelsea. Uh, that's one for the Statos to go and dig out. I've got a hunch that that might be true. Um, he'll be up for it. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, the stats and the track record say you know that that we should win that game. Yeah, I think they're in about 15th place right now. So not not going as swimmingly as they might want. But look, gentlemen, Nick, Dan, this is uh, definitely um, a path we've tripped up before. I don't know. Do you have, I guess, Nick, thinking that we're doing another Thursday, Sunday, uh, thankfully this time at Stanford Bridge midweek, um, any kind of cautionary uh, warnings heading into this week? Uh, just you know, if we if we take the Payock uh, West Ham you know results into account, I mean, I think this team is still you know not deep enough to particularly show out for two games in in three days. I think you know, I think we just all have to be realistic about that. You know, my hope is, and I, what I think is going to happen is that Maurizio is taking the Europa League very seriously, as as he should. Um, and he really wants to to put the group to bed ASAP so that, you know, perhaps in, in the later rounds where we've already secured, um, you know, kind of top of the group that, you know, he can really rest some players. But uh, I think it's going to be really, you know, the, the struggle is that, you know, we're going to have a home match and hopefully an easy walkthrough uh, and then have to go – down to St. Mary's and that's a place where typically we have, have not played our best. Uh, you know, I think you just have to remember the, 
you know, epic comeback from last year and, you know, think about how we played the first 60 minutes of that match and Southampton as a squad haven't changed tremendously since then, uh, Mike. So this is a, it's a big opportunity to continue our, our record in the Premier League and, and gain maximum points. Yeah. Uh, you know, I look at it, I think we'll have a, I think we'll see five changes for the, for the Europa League match. Um, I think uh, hopefully, sorry, give some, you know, he rewards some of the hard work from the younger players uh, and let them get, especially in Ampadu, give them some game time. Uh, and I think we'll take care of business on the weekend. Um, I, I'm confident in these matches. I feel like unlike other squads in the past, uh, we seem to be taking um, the smaller games a little bit more seriously. Uh, and I think for me, the most important thing is keeping Kovacic healthy because everyone talks about Jorginho being sorry ball. But I think when you look at our, our record and, and how we play, I think it's it's Jorginho and Mateo that, that make it work. So um, as long as he can stay healthy, I think we'll be fine on Sunday. Love it. All right. Well, we've got a, um, I guess we could do you know get get ready for a big week ahead i i like europa league um aka i like europe that we're in it obviously it's you know kind of the b competition but it's still at least fun to get out and i don't know the more you get to watch chelsea the better i mean does that seem like a pretty easy thing to all agree on unanimously yes yes chidge you obviously love your european nights at home yeah, I do. I mean, you know, when you when you've watched Chelsea for as long as I have, and and you know, you you never got into Europe ever. Uh, they're all to be savoured and and not to be sniffed at. They're, they're they're special nights. So I I'm really looking forward to Thursday. Plus the fact, I mean, in a funny funny old sense, I actually find it quite hard to get to, uh, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday night games these days. So uh, actually, the, the the fact that we're in the Europa League has played right into my hands because I'm always in London from Thursday to the, to Sunday. So uh, I'm going to get all of them in. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so happy for you, Chish. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hey. sound rub it in, boys. Oh, uh, what's your prediction, Chidge, If you had to sign yourself up for more punishment, uh, what for the uh, Vidi game or the Southampton game or both? Just the Vidi. Vidi, I think three nil. Love it. Dan, what about you? That that was uh, what I had written down here. I could take a photo of proof later. But uh, no, three, proof, three proof nil. Proof of life, Dan. Proof of life. <laughs> uh, it, it was, uh, I think Chidge is uh, as smart as he is uh, good looking. And uh, it's a great prediction. Suck up. Nick, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going 4-1. All right. I'm going to go, or Mike, you're up. 4-0. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0, keep it tight. Uh, you know, someone's got to bring a little bit of balance in logic. We can't all be passionate Chelsea fans, can we? What's the fun in that? <laughs> sure, it was a joke. Sure, that, sure. that should be the tagline of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we are not passionate fans. Uh, please see example B. We will put you to sleep. It's bedtime. All right. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap us up again. Uh, Chidge. You're the man. The podfather. Friend, thank you again absolute pleasure boys sorry it's been so long as in as in for me being on the podcast not for me rambling on tonight i'm never apologizing for that it's what we signed up for we knew getting into it we loved every minute of it and i'm sure our listeners will as well all right but anyways we are done for the week we will be back most likely after saints on the weekend as we always do but until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high